Hi, and welcome to the CCB Weekly Check-In Podcast with your host, Timothy Prendergast. It's 2021. We have an evolving podcast where we hear from our people, their stories, and learn and develop along the way. So sit back and relax and enjoy this week's episode of the Weekly Check-In Podcast. Welcome into the weekly check-in podcast with Tim Prendergast. Now, I was introduced to today's guest by John Baldwin, who is our senior sponsor for the Inclusion and Diversity Steering Group within CCB. And he said, you got to meet this guy. He's a, he's a great guy. Uh, he's got a really interesting story and a fantastic attitude towards life. And uh, I feel those are key ingredients to having a great conversation, a great podcast. And it's with delight and pleasure uh, to welcome into today's show, Stephen Sullivan. Stephen, how's it going? Not too bad, Tim. Uh, recovering from the Easter weekend and a bit too much food eaten, but other than that, going grand, thanks. <laughs> Brilliant. Now, uh, I know you're well known uh, throughout CCB by, by many, but there will be some out there that, that aren't familiar with you. So first things first, can you tell us a little bit about yourself um, from a career perspective and, and what part of CCB you're, in, you're involved in now? No problem at all, yeah. Um, I actually, uh, Santander is my my third ever employer. Um, my first employer being when I was 18 in school or just after uh, my A-levels, I was uh, three months on the deli counter in Waitrose. And then um, after that, I joined Allied Irish Bank f- for 18 years and uh, then joined Santander in February 2014, uh, where I, and I've been there ever since. I initially was in what we used to be called a, a Seg B or D, um, going out to a trading or D, doing uh, both trading and real estate, new new business and existing customers uh, under Alex Rice initially. But when she went on maternity leave, I then moved under John Baldwin's wing and I've been there pretty much ever since. Uh, I've also, most of my time under John Baldwin has also had my immediate line manager being uh, Paul Seeker, who currently heads up the uh, central real estate team where I'm based. Brilliant, brilliant. And um, I mean, I wonder if you can talk us through maybe your your Santander journey and um, I guess uh, in particular sort of a series of, of events that, that started to occur maybe six or seven years ago and, and even before that. So sort of maybe a little bit about your, your story outside of work. Yeah, no problem at all, Tim. Yeah, yeah I do have to go back a bit further on this one. Um, when I was 19, uh, I, uh, I was basically, um, like most people, not teenagers do, I was going out drinking with my mates every weekend and uh, chuckling to myself that they all seemed to suffer from hangovers when I didn't. And then uh, one morning I woke up and I just sort of stretched my neck a bit and um, my head was spinning and dizzy and I fell to the floor, crawled to the toilet and threw up in the toilet. And I thought, God... This must be one of the hangovers the lads was warning me about. You know, they're, they're worse than I thought. And uh, this carried on for about 10 months um, with me every weekend. And then I'd be throwing up constantly from the weekend until about Wednesday. Uh, and I went to stomach specialists, in rear balance specialists, obviously my GP uh, doing all this. And eventually, um, after my mum basically not giving up, uh, she talked them into sending me for a, a CT scan 
and um when they said you know we've done all the checks for like uh stuff that would you know might show up that would uh, you'd find on that and uh, he's not showing any of the signs um plus it costs 300 pounds for one of such scans but my mum said like we don't care we'll pay for it and and they said no no can i will send them on a scan but yeah go ahead. but there is a six-week waiting list and so my mum started phoning every hospital in the area um, for cancellations because at this stage I'd lost 14, uh, four stone in weight. So I was down from 12 stone to eight stone. And um, I, uh, she eventually got a cancellation on, in the first week, actually. So I went into the local Wickham Hospital on Monday and they did the CT scan. And uh, straight away I knew they'd found something because... I had all these doctors sort of gathering around scans and pointing and like, you know, beckoning other doctors over and all this sort of thing. And uh, yeah, they came out and they basically said they'd found a brain tumor and uh, that they needed to get me moved to the Oxford Radcliffe Infirmary Hospital to have the tumor removed. So that was on a Monday and uh, they took out the tumor on a Wednesday and they said I would have been dead by the Friday. So um, fortunately, mother's persistence paid off on that in that case. But uh, ideally, that should have been the end of the story because um, the tumor was successfully removed. It was a malignant tumor, um, which meant cancerous and uh, growing. Uh, but uh, they removed all of it, and I had about uh, uh, thirty-something sessions of radiotherapy afterwards to make sure it wouldn't grow back. But unfortunately, during the operation to remove my tumor. I picked up meningitis and it was a particularly nasty form of meningitis that not many people survive. And um, I had a further seven brain operations over the following year to try and sort out the meningitis, which they did eventually. Um, and uh, and I, at the end of all that, I was uh, a little bit shaky on my feet, slight bit of double vision. But other than that, I lived a pretty normal life for the next, well, at least 15 to 15 to 17 years. Joined Santander uh, in February 2014 when everything was still pretty normal at that stage, although I, I had noticed my, my arm going a bit numb. Um, but that, I just put that down to uh, leaning on the bar too heavily in the pub or something like that. But uh, uh, yeah, then I, New Year's Eve 2014 to 2015, I was walking to work in the morning and I tripped over and because uh, my hands were in my pocket with it being cold, I couldn't break my fall and I ended up scraping the side of my face. And uh, and uh, that was the sort of first of my falls uh, relating to what was going on inside me, which I was unaware of at the time. So after a good few more falls, um, I, I went to a neurologist and that neurologist... Uh, I told them all my background and what had been happening is I'd been having uh, MRI scans every six months, then 12 months, then two years since the tumor to make sure the tumor wouldn't be grown back, but they only ever scanned my brain. And so this neurologist scanned my spine and what he discovered along the spine was a load of what looked like bubbles pushing against the spine. Uh, along the length of the spine, uh, bigger bubbles at the top and smaller bubbles lower down. And uh, so he sent me to a neurosurgeon and um, that neurosurgeon did two operations on me, one in uh, September 2015 and the other in March 2016. 
Uh, the idea being that those bubbles, once they opened me up, they were hoping to do what they could to uh, to shrink the largest of them so that they would no longer be pushing against my spine and making my uh, spinal cord swell up, which is what was causing me to trip up all the time. Um, because the messages between my brain and my arms and legs weren't always getting through. So, uh, so yeah, I had those two operations and the last operation in March 2016 showed a month after the operation that the swelling had gone down by 10% um, and, uh, but, and that hopefully that would mean it would either stabilize then or at the very least, you know, uh, s slow down the deterioration I was experiencing. And that was my last operation. But over that time, work-wise, as soon as uh, I'd had the diagnosis of this, you know, stuff going on on my spine, and because of all the falls I'd had, I'd, I went into a room with uh, Paul Thieker and John Baldwin, my two line managers at the time, and um, and I was very worried at the time of like, how can I do my job if I'm, you know, can seem to seem to be putting myself in danger every time I go out walking out to customers. And uh, I, I remember like that John very affirmatively said, well, as of today, you're not going out to meet customers anymore. You know, you're, we'll, we'll set you up to work from home and, uh, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll build a role around that. And, uh, and it was a huge relief for me to, to hear that. Cause I was, I was worried. I just wouldn't be able to do my job properly. And, um, and so initially for about a period of a year, one to two years, um, I was in a sort of mini commercial direct team, which was uh, myself and David Mann looked after 1,200 customers who are all non-borrowing customers um, that came from the other relationship directors across London. And uh, we basically uh, looked after them until what was RRT back then, uh, the remote relationship team is now commercial direct until they were in a position to be able to take those customers off us. And uh, yeah, once that was done, uh, I then moved into the real estate team or in what we call the central real estate team. And uh, at the time we had shrunk the real estate team in commercial clients from or Santander business as it was known back then from uh, 16 relationship directors down to four and um, in hindsight it was probably too much of a cut because uh, every each of those four guys was overloaded with reviews and so forth to, to cope with so what I what we set up was effectively a hunter farmer model so uh, the four customer facing relationship directors would deal with all recontracting and new business queries and any customers that could be dealt with over the phone or via email, such as, you know, in other words, customers that just needed reviews, consent to leases, uh, security releases, anything like that, would come in to me to manage centrally. So I, I took them in in phases, the customers um, from Scotland initially, and then uh, the north of England and then and then the Midlands and uh, and then finally uh, the London relationship director and uh, and over oh, since that was, that was February 2018 since then 
we've uh, gradually built up the uh, taken more and more customers in and and now uh, I have uh, another relationship a couple of relationship directors working alongside me in the central real estate team and and uh, a good bunch of RMs as well helping us out with the reviews so yeah it's it's uh, I'm I'm actually probably enjoying the my new role and probably more productive in my new role than I ever was when I was out walking the streets so um uh, yeah John and Paul are both appreciative of, of uh, the you know the input I still give to the team as a whole and uh yeah I'm I'm uh, I'm happy to ca- carry on doing that yeah wow well brilliant well first things first Stephen thank you so much for for sharing that and, and so much to to take from it and you, you mentioned John and Paul there and sort of the the proactive um approach that was taken to, to get you working from home to to adapting and, and adjusting I mean can you talk to us a little bit about sort of you know what your day-to-day um adjustments are in terms of you know, getting getting work done everything from you know sending an email to to, to all that goes with it and, and just yeah how do you make sure that you're still able to be the best you can yeah actually um it, uh more recently well and no, i say more recently about two years ago um as uh, uh when i was a, a year into it or so um john and paul arranged for uh, an occupational therapist from hr to come out and visit me in my home office and um i actually i i call it my home office but my house uh, is half a mile from where I'm currently based at the moment, um, which is my parents' flat. And my parents spend most of their time in Ireland, so they're never here. It's just a base they use when they come over. Anyway, um, I uh, I come on my mobility scooter from my house to here each morning, and it only takes five minutes. And then I come up the stairs to the flat and, and work here all day with, with no distractions. But yeah, the occupational therapist came around here and um, she set me off with a few things which have proved very helpful. So, for example, I uh, back when I my uh, physiotherapist was telling me, use it or lose it. In other words, uh, use your legs as much as you can uh, while you can until they're eventually no more use to you, and then you know uh, alter your uh, routine accordingly. They they set me up with a, a sit stand desk. So that means uh, there's two levers at the side and I can pull it up so that, you know, after I usually did it after lunch each day. So I'd have my one hour lunch and then I'd uh, come in and I'd stand uh, and work uh, with, you know, the mouse and keyboard up up at standing height for the next hour to just um, aid the food digestion as well. I suppose a bit of gravity and uh, and then they uh, they set me up with. also voice recognition software um dragon voice recognition software which uh would uh, because my i'm losing the dexterity in my hands and uh it, it basically would be give me an alternative way of uh doing my work for it so um that 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 was has been um useful and uh again it's something i'm trying to um I'll, I'll probably use more and more as as time progresses, as as I lose more and more of my hands, because a lot of the time it's uh, it's easier to do things with a mouse 
uh, like Excel spreadsheets than it is to give a command to move in around a, a Excel spreadsheet and things like that. But uh, but yeah, it's 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 useful, and uh, they also set me up with uh, well, they introduced me to something called the uh, Access to Work scheme, of which I was unaware of previously, which uh, means that I can the days I was going into Ludgate Hill, I would hire a taxi, um, which would take me from the door of my house to Ludgate Hill and pick me up in the evening and bring me back. And that was 70 pounds each way. And uh, so I'd pay the 140 pounds, but then I'd send the receipt from the taxi to the government and they would refund me 90% of it. So effectively, instead of 70 pounds each way, it was seven pounds each way, um, which was a big help because uh, I, going on the, the tube and the train with like crutches and, and all that was always a nightmare. Um, so, uh, so I was glad to get away from the the, the whole uh, tube malarkey. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I mean, when when the new normal, whatever that might look like, and back to work goes, like, do you think there will still be occasions for you to go and? I like think that? so too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I I did li- like those occasions as well. You know, catching up with um with fr- friends and everything, but also um. The uh, there, I, 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 there are occasions where I've gone in and I've like been worried about my disability, of, you know, just generally. And uh, it's, mm. I've had some great moments from colleagues where, for example, I went for a training day on um, in Triton Square. And uh, if, yeah. if, you, if you imagine I had two crutches at the time to walk around with, and I, I, I went for the lunch in the canteen on the ground floor. And, um, I, you know, these things go through your mind, but, you know, which other people might not realize. But I'd, I'd look up at the menu and I'd think, right, I'm going to have to order like a sandwich or something instead of a hot meal because I can't carry a plate and a tray to the, the counter to pay, that sort of thing. And uh, and, I, and I remember Nick Brown uh was on the course with me and and he he said Stephen would you like me to to carry your tray to the table for you and little things like that without me even prompting him was like you know it was like a great relief for me and you know and uh very thoughtful of him to do that and uh and yeah when for days when I go into uh Ludgate Hill there there's also the you know back in the days when often lunch would be provided at the at team meetings and things like that uh yeah you wouldn't have to worry about lunches but as that's happening less and less then um then there's the the for me the the struggle of going out to get a lunch and bring it back in um it would take a very long time um and so i i'd have uh, my immediate colleagues a lot of the time um uh, and they'd know who they are if they're listening but you know would come up and they'd say do you want me to get your lunch for you sort of thing and uh, you know i'll get you grab your sandwich and and those sort of things were you know hugely appreciated as well yeah and that, that really resonates actually from from my perspective being a different disability but sort of turning up to that lunch hall in triton and not being able to to see what's in the in the um you know in the heated meals and things or, or always going back to what i knew was on yeah. the menu, but also 
yeah, just having that, I guess, confidence to, to ask for assistance. And yeah, like you have had some yeah, really um, gratifying experiences with colleagues just yeah. Yeah, going that, not, not going a mile, but just going out of their way to, to, to help. Yeah, and I, I don't think they realize how much it, how hard it is to actually ask someone for help. You know, we've we've got our sort of pride and, you know, yeah. and, it, and uh, so for someone to unprompted come up and offer it, it's it's just such a, a huge you know relief and uh assistance uh that you know they uh I, yeah can't uh, can't go on about it enough in terms of uh, so yeah if, if there was one tip i'd give for anyone out there uh, is just have put yourself in the mind of the of the person you know that that has the disability and uh, and consider what would you know help out for for them in terms of make it, making their life easier or whatever yeah one final one from from me Stephen if it's okay and just to yeah throw some some thoughts around really because uh, last week uh, I know you sort of tuned into the is it okay session on on everyday inclusion and I guess just the thought from you we, we're all about you know celebrating the diversity of our workforce and and, and all of the people uh, within it and what do you think from your perspective a person with a disability sort of what, what's the added value that that we bring to you know to, to a workplace? Well, I, I think uh, nowadays uh, dis- disabilities are very much. Uh, well, I'd say there's lots of di- different types of disabilities, but certainly in the case of you and me, it, it's a physical disability, uh, and you know there's nothing wrong with our brains at all. So it's it's having an opportunity to use that brain um, is is always welcomed, and uh, and and. Uh, it, it's just finding the right way of tapping into those brain resources for want of a better word and and uh, having having the the right uh, systems and uh, processes in place so that that is that flow is uninhibited mm. no absolutely no, it's fantastic mm. What a great note to, to end on, Stephen. It's been fantastic to, to catch up. Thank you so much for your time and, and bearing with the listeners won't be aware, but we had a few technical issues sort of before recording this. So thank you for your patience on that. Um, but all the very best. And I know that you're um, sort of getting involved in, in some of the people stuff within commercial clients and helping to to set up some, some uh, I think, some virtual cafes within there and everything. So, yeah, always very much an advocate for, for the support that you're giving to, to the people agenda as well. So take care. All the best and we'll catch Great up Great stuff. Soon. Thanks, Tim. Bye. Bye. Stephen Sullivan bringing to an end episode 53 of the Weekly Check-In podcast. Stephen, thank you so much for being our guest this week, for being so open and sharing your story. So much for all of us to consider and take away from that conversation. If you are interested in all things disability, Santander does have the Enable Network and uh, we would love your support. So jump on to the Mio tile, find out all you need to know about Enable, the great activities that uh, we are involved in and indeed the webinars and sessions that uh, that are available uh, for all to attend um, some really informative stuff there i know that just last week there was a session around autism awareness given uh, it was autism awareness week uh, and so much planned for the coming weeks and months so be sure to join that network 
In the meantime, team, thank you so much for your company again. We'll be back again next week with another episode of the Weekly Check-In Podcast.